Um, anybody in here know that's not exactly how it took place? <laughs> all right, all right, just, just, just checking. Um, you know, this, uh, this day and age, uh, Christmas uh, in our culture, it gets a little bit silly and wacky. And, and uh, in reality, sometimes the way that uh, we think the whole story took place uh, can be a little bit different than what is reality as well. And so um, that's what we're going to do. We just want to take a couple weeks uh, here, as Mike said, take a break and, and begin to talk, uh, just look at the actual accounts um, in the book of Matthew. And we're telling this thing, I'm all in, because really that's what Christmas was about. If you come to Christmas Eve, it's going to be about how Christ was all in for us. And, um, but today we're going to look at the life of Joseph, um, who really, as being the father of the Son of God, we don't really know that much about him. You don't hear much about him. Mary gets a lot of accolades. <laughs> she is the one who everybody knows and talks about. And yet, uh, a father figure in that day and age would have been really, really critical. And so, we're just going to kind of take a look at what it must have been like for Joseph. And now, here's where it gets difficult. Because for most of us, if we grew up in Sunday school, and we've been to church, and we know the Christmas story, that we kind of just forget how radical, how fantastic, how totally, actually supernatural this whole deal was. So what I'm going to ask you to do today is try to get out of everything you already know about the story and put yourself in this guy's shoes, okay? That's what we're going to do. What would it have really been like to have been Joseph? And um, now from God's perspective, think about it this way. You are always at work. Last week, when, how many of you guys were here last week? How many, is, okay, awesome. So last week we talked about how um, God is, Jesus told us that my father is always at work. So God is always doing something. And then he said, and I too am at work. And so one of the things that we know is God has this plan that he is working out. And if you read the Old Testament, what you'll find is from Genesis all the way through the prophets, God is laying the foundation to help the Israelites understand Jesus. The whole Testament is all about helping people to understand so that when Jesus Christ was born, we would all know that he was the Son of God. So, the time has come, and God now has to choose who's going to be the Savior of the world's mom and dad. Think about that one. I mean, think about what that must have been like for God to have to say, you know what? I've got a job description for you, and because, you know, he has a role for all of us, and uh, how about if he came to you and said, hey, my role for you is I want you to be the Savior of the world's dad. How many of you guys would want to sign up for that one? (laughs) I mean, I can't hardly handle the pressure of raising my own kids. And so what we kind of want to look at here is why would God have chosen Joseph? Why would he have done that? And I think we're going to see a few things, okay? So I'm just going to dive right in. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And we're going to read through uh, part of that chapter and into chapter 2. If you don't have your Bibles, uh, the story will be right up here on your screen. And uh, we'll start to dive in here to see why is it that God may have chosen this guy in his plan. We're going to start with verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to stop here a little bit as we walk through this, because again, uh, some of the stuff we just don't understand about the culture, and so we read the story and we don't fully get it. Um, when it says that Mary was pledged 
to be married to Joseph. Um, sometimes you'll have heard the word betrothed. I don't know if you've ever heard that word. What he's really talking about here is what we might, the closest thing we have in our culture would be, say, she was engaged to be married to Joseph. Now, in that culture, how it would work is the groom's mom and dad would choose a young woman for them to be married. So almost all marriages at this time were, were arranged. And so Mary was chosen by Joseph's parents. Okay? Now, at this time, uh, Mary was probably somewhere between 12 to 14 years old, and Joseph would have been no older than 18. So we're just talking right here. We're talking our, um, our fusion ministry going on right here, okay? We're talking our high school students are the ones who are experiencing this deal, which is pretty amazing. Now, here's the difference between being pledged to be married and to be engaged. It actually was a legal binding uh, contract that took place between witnesses. In fact, as we're going to find out in the next verse, uh, Joseph is called her husband. You would actually be called husband and wife, even though you hadn't had the official wedding ceremony yet. So when these guys got pledged to be married, it was a serious deal. There were some gifts that were exchanged. The, the parents of the groom would pay what was called a bride's price. In, this, in other words, there would be a, a, a monetary figure that they would pay into the other family. And what this was doing is this was sealing the covenant, and this is interesting, binding the families together. Okay? So this just wasn't, you know, for us in our culture, when you decide to get married, you know, it's really just between you and the other person. And I mean, family's involved, but this was huge. This bound the families together. Okay? And then the second thing that would happen is the bride's father. So Mary's father would then pay in a dowry, and, and, the, and that payment would actually be given to Mary and Joseph so that they would have the funds to be able to live together. And then the last thing that would happen is the groom would give the gift to a bride. So there was all this gift giving, all this money exchange to say, man, basically the title of our message, we're all in. We're serious about this. We're betrothed. We're pledged to be married. Normally, that would happen about a year before the wedding ceremony would actually take place. All right? So that's verse 18. You've got to understand that. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, anybody have any idea what that means? Okay, just, okay, just wanted to make sure. <clears throat> so before they came together. So basically, now this is really important to understand. When you were betrothed, even though it was legally binding, there was to be no sexual activity until the actual wedding ceremony took place. So, a year happened before, they're in their teens, they're pledged to be married, but before they came together, there was no sexual union. She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So, found to be with child, I like how they say that. Um, she's pregnant, and so, and the, here's the deal. At this point, when she's found to be pregnant, she was probably about four months along, okay? Because if you read the account in Luke, you find that when Mary became pregnant, she hung out with her relative, Elizabeth, for three months. So she was hanging out with her relative, Elizabeth, for three months. She comes back on the scene, and she has found now to be pregnant. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. See, now this is where, and I'm going to hit this a few times, but you've got to grasp this. Because we know the whole rest of the story, and at this point, Joseph didn't. So what's happening here is his fiancée shows up, hasn't seen her in a few months, and she's pregnant. So at this point, all Joseph knows is 
my fiance cheated on me. She's had sex with another man, and she's pregnant with his baby. That's what he knows. So he decides, I'm going to divorce her. Because actually, and sometimes in this culture, it would actually be adamant that you needed to divorce somebody if they were unfaithful to you in that way. But he decides to do it quietly, which we'll get into a little bit later. Verse 20, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. See, so from our little drama, Mary was not the one who told Joseph about this whole deal. It actually was a visitation from an angel in a dream. Now, anybody else have angels visit you in dreams? You know, how many of you would like to have angels visit you in dreams? <laughs> Wouldn't that be cool? Like, get all the hands and go, man, just tell me what's going on. I mean, that'd be awesome. See, but I think when angels show up, it's only because something huge is going on. And when it was, when it was going to be this radical, this supernatural, this so far outside the box, the angel shows up. Now, here's what we got to remember as well. This doesn't happen. <laughs> Are we all in agreement with that? Okay. It, guys, you know this. Uh, if you, all of a sudden your fiance came up to you and told you this story, literally, hey, dude, I'm pregnant and um, I'm still a virgin. Okay. How many of you are buying that story? <laughs> You're just not buying it. You know why? Because we know this is not how it works. That can't happen. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. You guys, the key to this is this is not a natural occurrence. This is a supernatural occurrence. Now, can I deviate just for a second? I want to take you to to, to John chapter 1. I'm going to give you a little peek into Christmas Eve, which again... 12, 2, 4, 6, and 8. You can get your tickets outside. Um, but uh, this, is, this is important, you guys, because we know this. There's no way that a woman can become pregnant without union with a man. But with God, all things are possible. And he can do something supernatural. In John chapter 1, verse 12, it says this. To anyone who receives Christ, to those who believe in his name, He gives the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. So you guys, the whole message of Christianity is not something natural. It's not something that human beings can muster up and try to be. What the the Christian message is something supernatural that is impossible for us But with God, it's possible. And what's possible is that in my spirit, God supernaturally can come and make his home right here with me. And I can become a child of God. Now, I know for some of you, you're you're checking out the Christian thing. You haven't bought this whole deal. And just like if somebody came to you and said, hey, I'm pregnant without having sex, you'd go, and you're wacky. (laughs) The Christian message is wacky. In fact, the Bible says it's foolishness. It really is. But it's true because it's supernatural. And I just think it's the greatest message in the world. We're going to touch on that on Christmas Eve more, about what Jesus actually came to do, was to not only be born once in a manger, but to be born over and over and over again spiritually within each one of us. And that's really, really cool. All right, so that's a side note. Okay, so let's go back to Matthew. 
Verse 21 says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, Jesus is the, is the, um, uh, excuse me, it's the Greek form of Joshua, which means the Lord saves. See, now here's, and just again, why did Christmas happen? Why this whole thing? It's because when the angels showed up to the shepherds, they said, man, you guys, this is awesome because unto you a good teacher is born. Right? Right? No, that's not right. Uh-uh. No, it's not a good teacher is born. Unto you a really good guy is born. Unto you a great example is born. No, unto you a Savior is born. And when the angel came, they said, listen, you've got to call his name Jesus, because he's coming to save his people from their sins. It's the greatest news in all the world. All right? Now, go on, verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I'm going to skip uh, the first part of chapter 2 because it's what we're going to talk about next week. If you come back next week, we're going to see how the wise men, if you heard about these three wise men or the magi, we three kings of Orion are, we're going to look at those guys next week and how they were all in. That's verses 1 through uh, 12, but then we'll go to verse 13. When they had gone, when the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and he left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious, and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time that he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and refusing to be comforted, because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in, the, in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets. He will be called a Nazarene. Okay, that is what we know about Joseph. And what I'm going to do is I just want to take you through two things that I think the Scriptures tell us to understand. I think why God said, you know what, I need a father for my son and why he chose Joseph. Now, before we jump into that, I want to make sure that we understand something. And how do we bring that home to us today, December 12th, 2010, okay, here in Salt Lake City? Here's how. Jesus said again last week that my father is always at work. Always. That means right now today. In fact, for me this morning, I got up and I I spent my time and just kind of connecting with God, getting ready for the day. 
And I just reminded myself again of this fact. This day, right here, right now, God is active and alive. And he's working. He has this grand plan that he's working out. And what's wild about this, you guys, is that I'm part of that plan. And so are you. See, every single one of you is a specific design of God's so that he can fulfill his plan on this earth. And I believe with all my heart that as I started my prayer time this morning, that somehow today that God is working out something, and if I can be in sync with him, then I get a chance, which is amazing, to actually partner with God so that his stuff gets done in this world. So, so the question is, if God is always at work, and there's a verse in 2 Chronicles 69 says this, that his eyes, the eyes of the Lord, range throughout the earth, looking for those whose hearts are completely his so that he can strengthen them. See, I believe on this day, even right now while you're sitting here in the service, that God's eyes are looking for those whose hearts are completely his. So that he can call you and have you join him in what he's doing. And I'm telling you, the world is a messed up place and you and I know that. And there are so many people who have yet to know and experience God's love. And so, you know what? What's so cool is we're going to see how in the world was Joseph all in. And the reason we're looking at his life is because I want to just challenge you, maybe this morning, to stop and ask your own heart, ask the question of your own heart, are you? Are you all in? Are you a heart that God can look at to say, man, I'm up to something today, and I want to include you in it? All right? So let me pray. Let me pray for us right now, and let's let you just right now, just open up your heart and say, man, God... I want to know. I want to know that I'm all in. I want to be involved in what you're doing in this world today. Okay, let's pray together. Father, I I think I just want to start off by just saying thanks. Thanks that, um, that the truth is that my one little life Some dude born in Lapeer, Michigan could be someone that you would actually want to partner with to join you in what you're doing in the world. I just want to thank you. And Lord, I I thank you for everybody in this room because there's not one person sitting here that you didn't create because you wanted to know them. And you wanted them to know you. And you want them to join you. And Lord, there's so much just in the world that we live in. Our own families, the schools where we're at, our workplaces, this valley, Salt Lake Valley, where you're doing stuff. You're working in people's lives all over us. So Lord, we know that you chose Joseph. And I just want to ask that you might make your word to us come alive so that we could understand uh, some things that are just true and help us to apply them to our own life so that we can experience everything that you've created us to experience for your honor, for your glory, so your stuff gets done. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, you guys. So there's two things that we see in Joseph's life 
that I just want to encourage us to consider for our own um, so that just as God decided, I'm going to choose Joseph, that maybe he might choose you and me as well. Okay? First one's this. Joseph was a guy who said, I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right. That's it right there. Look at verses 18 and 19 again with me. It says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be a child through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. All right. So, so again, one of the things that we just really believe is there's nothing in this book, there's nothing that God didn't reveal for us that's not in there for us to help us to understand a little bit. So here's, here's what we know about Joseph. He was a righteous man. So he was a guy who just did what was right. And one of the things we're going to see, put this in the back of your head as we go through this, he was a guy who was never about himself. And, and really, I would say, when you get to the core of what it means to be righteous, that's what it is. It's when you don't live for yourself anymore. And this is what we're going to see with Joseph. Here's, here's one thing, is he honors God. He honors God. The laws of God matter to him. See, he knows that in God's law, the way God designed things, the way God designed human sexuality, is that nobody is supposed to be involved in any type of sexuality except in the bonds of marriage. Okay? That's the same for you and me today. That's something that never changes with God. That's how he designed it to be. God designed sex. He loves sex. It's one of the greatest gifts in all the world. And he says, and it's supposed to be done in marriage. And so Joseph, he's a righteous man. So he's like, dude, I am all over that. So imagine this. So here's Joseph. He loves God's laws. He's going to follow him. He's being faithful to God. And then Mary shows up, right? And she's pregnant, four months pregnant. Okay, so immediately, because Joseph was a righteous man, he's saying, you know what? I, I can't accept this. He goes, I can't be involved in this. This is not God's way because it's union outside of marriage and I can't be a part of it. What Joseph is saying right there is this. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do what's right. And, and I know for us, man, you guys, can I, this is just a side note as well. I mean, I think it was, uh, yeah, it was a year ago in January. We gave a message about loving God with all our heart and soul and mind and strength. And, and we gave everybody a chance at K2 to write down the area in their own life where it was the hardest for them to love God with all their heart, where they were kind of doing what they knew God didn't want them to do. You guys know what the number one one was? Number one one? <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> the number one thing was sexual sin in our church. It's because our culture is just saturated with it. Again, you, you can't watch a movie where someone doesn't meet somebody and the next thing, I mean, it's just it, the, natural, the natural thing to do is to be involved in sexual activity outside of marriage. Joseph was a guy who says, you know what? I'm going to do what's right. And any sex that's outside of marriage, hear me clearly, any sexual activity outside of marriage is not right. And it's not, it's not of God. I, and I'll just tell you, for me as, as a pastor and from God's word, it doesn't matter what your opinion is. It doesn't matter how you feel about this one. It's point blank clear all through scripture where God says, I designed this and it's awesome and it's powerful and it's supposed to be done within marriage. Sex is meant to be a super glue is how I like, it's meant to be something that just binds you together to help you to last forever. Okay? Joseph was a righteous man and he's like, wow, Mary, you blew it. And um, I got to do what's right. 
So he decides to divorce her quietly. So that's the first one. Now here's the second thing that we see about Joseph, and this is awesome, is not only did he honor God, he honored Mary. See, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. And you guys, again, don't miss how hard this would be. If you're being faithful and all of a sudden your fiancé shows up pregnant, is anybody else going to be ticked? I mean, are you going to be a little upset about that (laughs) situation? Yes, you are. You're going to be like, how could you do this? And I don't know, you guys, there's nothing in Scripture here that tells us what Joseph was feeling at that time. Just as a man, who, who, if I was a man, if I was Susie when I was engaged to Suze, that would, yeah, that's right. Um, When I was engaged to Suze, if I was holding myself out, which, by the way, is that not one of the hardest things to do? Can I tell you? Anybody else been engaged? I tell you, as soon as you get engaged and you're not supposed to have sex, that's just hard. It's tough. And if I'm holding out because I want to honor God and Sue shows up and she's pregnant, I'm ticked. And I know this, what's amazing, that's why when I look at Joseph, and what did he do? He responded in a way where he wasn't vindictive at all. He could have said, I can't believe you did this to me. I'm going to shame you. I'm gonna... He could have done whatever he wanted to. And instead, he responds with honor. And he wants to honor Mary. So you guys, that is awesome. See, what's so cool about Joseph is he doesn't abandon his faithfulness to the law, okay, to care for Mary. He doesn't do that. But he also doesn't abandon Mary when he's trying to stand up for what's right. See, this, I think God is up there going, man, I've got to find a guy who will parent my son well. What, do I, what is he looking for? He goes, here, I found him. And what he found in Joseph was, here's a guy who's always going to do what's right. He's going to stand up for what I have revealed is true, and he's going to love people in the midst of it. You guys see that? See, it was, it's, it's an amazing testimony right there of how you stand for what's right, but it doesn't make you judge and pound down somebody else who didn't do what was right. See, this is what Jesus had a real hard time with the Pharisees and all the Sadducees and all the religious leaders. Boy, were they right. And they had their act together because they were so righteous. And usually people who try to be righteous, they have this problem. They get all proud of themselves. And they love to look down at everybody else because it makes them even look better, right? And Jesus hates that. God hates that. Does he want you to be righteous? Yes, he demands it. I'm holy, and you're supposed to be holy. That's how this whole thing works. But at the same time, you know what's real holiness? Is when you love me by doing what's right, and you love people when they haven't done what's right. And Joseph did that. And I, tell you, I think that's why he saw Joseph and he said, I think I can trust this guy. Because Joseph is someone who says, I'm always going to do what's right. And that's awesome. Now let me, the third thing that's really interesting about Joseph is then, after the angel comes to him, he says, okay, um, you got to take your wife home now. Which means, as soon as you took your wife home, that means you are now officially married. You had the, you had the wedding ceremony, and it was all good to go, <laughs> okay? Now what's wild, again, what it says in verse 21, I'm sorry, verse 25, he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. He had no union with her until he, she gave birth to a son. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm not, I'm not totally sure why that's in there, but it's in there. 
See, so when you read the Bible, it's fun. This is when you go, okay, man, why is that in there? Why did God decide to say, I want to let you know that Joseph, even though he was married and sex was good to go, he didn't do it. Why is that in there? Here, let me just throw with you a, a couple things, maybe. Some people during that time and in that age saw that if you were pregnant, you shouldn't have sex um, because it was a sign of purity. But the reality is, you guys, now you're married. And in marriage, sex is not only encouraged. In, in Paul, when he writes to the Corinthians, he's like, if you're married, you better be having sex. Now, is that good news, everybody? Okay, that's good news. He says, if you're married, then sex is supposed to be part of it. I created this. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Go for it. Engage in this. Now, the other thing is, you got to remember, how old was Joseph? He was probably like 16. Anybody know 16-year-old boys? Okay, I know you. 16-year-old boys have a little bit of drive and a little bit of sexual passion that starts to rise up within you. Now, here's what's amazing to me. He's 16 to 18 years old. He's got sexual passion. He's married so he can go for it, and he doesn't. That's pretty amazing right there. He doesn't go for it. Why? It doesn't actually tell us, but let me just tell you a couple things. I I read this one. This is interesting. By not having sex with Mary, it made sure that it really was a virgin birth. Isn't that cool? And now if if a 16-year-old boy got that, that's amazing to me. But it says the dude was righteous. And he knew that this baby that was inside his wife now was born of the Holy Spirit. And I think there's a possibility that he was going, that is so awesome what God's doing. I'm chilling. (laughs) I'm going to honor what God is doing. Let me say this. I would say at the least, at the least, what it tells us about Joseph was he was not about himself. He was not about himself. And I tell you, he was a righteous man. And I think when God said, you know what? I need to find a man who I can trust to father my son. He looked at Joseph and he said, you know what, this is a guy who's going to do what's right. So here's my question to you today. I'm telling you, the reality is God is working right now and he wants to do more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. Not according to how great you are, but according to his power at work within us. Okay? I believe that what God, the eyes of God are doing is they're looking for somebody. He's looking for, uh, are you a person who is going to do what's right? Because if you are, I think God looks at you and goes, I can trust you, and I think he'll use you. So that's the first thing you need to check in your heart. Are you someone who says, man, I, I know what God wants me to do, and, and I'm going to go for it. Now, can I, just, can I just mention something here real quick? Is there anybody in here who has ever always done what's right? Anybody? Okay. Just want to see if we need to call the straitjacket. Because the scripture tells us, if any of you says you're not without sin, you're a liar. See, so check this out. What the Bible apparently is not, is not telling us is he's not looking for great people. Okay? He's looking for faithful people. All of us are sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. But even when that happens, and when we know that we're messing up, your heart can still want to do what is right. 
man, if, if, if my life depended on me always doing what was right, I can tell you this, I wouldn't be standing here today. There's no way I could be your pastor. But I can tell you this as well. I believe in the gospel of Christ. That if I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. And that's what he's looking for. Can he find a heart that says, even when I fall, I'm going to go to Christ and get cleansed and get back up and keep moving. Joseph was a guy who said, you know what? I'm going to do what's right. All right, here's the second thing. God saw in Joseph a guy who said this, number two. I'm going to do what God says. I'm going to do what God says. See, if God is looking for a guy who's going to be the father of his child, then I think what he's going to do is, he's going to, as we're going to see here, he's going to look for a guy who does what he says because God wants to run the show, right? Does that make sense? Now, here's the deal. Guess what? God wants to run the show in your life too. See, he knows everything you don't know. He knows why you're here. He knows what he's doing around you. He knows what he's doing inside of you. And so what he's looking for is anybody, is there anybody out there who when I prompt you to do something, you'll actually do it. Because if you'll do what I say, guess what happens? My stuff gets done. And my will is good and pleasing and perfect. And I'm working. I got so many people to love. I got so much I want to do. And I just need to find a guy like Joseph who would do what I asked him to do. Okay? Look at this. Chapter 1, verse 24. When Joseph woke up, so he has this dream. And again, you got to remember this. Holy Spirit just said, or I mean, the angel came up and said, hey, uh, it's okay, Joe. Your, your fiance is actually born by the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh, okay, cool. Gotcha. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And I love that you guys check this. When he woke up, he did it. See, so the other thing that's really cool there Boom. God spoke to him, and bam, he did it. He took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, I went into chapter 2, and I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to read them. But again, if you guys remember, if you, if you were listening, two different times, the angel shows up again in a dream and says, hey, Herod's going to try to kill all the boys. You've got to get up and go. Actually, I will read. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. And then, verse 14, so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night. <laughs> see, now again, see, I don't think that anything that's in here is a mistake. I think Matthew's trying to help us understand. Look at as soon as the angels told him to do something, he did it. Do you see that? In the night, he goes, boom, I'm dreaming. The angel of the Lord said, get up and tip this kid to Egypt. Bam, I'm out of here. <laughs> That's awesome. And then after Herod died, the angel of the Lord said in a dream to Joseph, okay, get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and he went to the land of Israel. <laughs> see what you find in Joseph? Okay, God, what do you want me to do? Oh, that's what you want me to do? Okay, I'm going to do it. And God looks down and he goes, oh, that's the kind of guy I need. I need somebody who, when I actually tell them to do it, they do it. See, and if we're all honest, what happens when God moves in us? Man, it's like we battle him, we fight him, we struggle with I do. I don't know about you guys. But I, the thing that, that you realize about Joseph, and you've got to remember this, this took a lot of faith. Okay, this wasn't easy. We know the Christmas story. You've got to put yourself back in Joseph's shoes. 
to believe that your pregnant fiancé has not had sex with another man? Who's going to buy that? To believe that the Holy Spirit has brought on this conception? Knowing that the rest of society is not going to buy this one, even if you do? Okay, kids, think about that. So Joseph buys this, and he goes, okay, God, I believe you. Oh, great. How in the world am I going to explain this to my family? How am I going to explain this to my friends? See, what you realize, you guys, is he was setting himself up for ridicule, judgment, shame, and rejection. So again, what you know about Joseph, he wasn't about himself. He knew by listening to God and doing what God told him to do, he was going to pay the price. And he did it anyway. Now, I have never been visited by an angel in a dream. Um, But I have been prompted by God. Can I ask you guys, how many of you would say that you feel like in your lifetime you've been kind of prompted by God? Anybody ever feel like that? Okay, look at that, man. See? Okay, that's awesome. Now, if you didn't raise your hand or if you're just checking out this Christian thing, did you, I, want, I hope you just saw that. The reason you've been prompted by God is because he's always at work. And every time he prompts you, it's because he wants to do something. And again, don't ever forget, when God wants to do something, it's always good and pleasing and perfect. That's what he does. I mean, I, if you're a Christian, you've been prompted by God. Because the scripture makes it very clear. No one, Jesus said, no one comes after me unless the Father draws him. <laughs> so if you feel drawn at all to Jesus, it's because he prompted you. That's cool. I was prompted that way. I was prompted to end a relationship when I was 19 and leave all my family and go to a different school. That was a huge prompting for me. I was prompted to, be, to go into ministry when I thought ministers were like weird you know, I mean, we called our guy Reverend Timmons. You imagine calling me Reverend Nelson? I kind of like that, actually. Reverend, most holy Reverend, actually, would be good. Um, no, I was so, like, the whole idea of ministry, but getting this prompting to say, no, Dave, this is what I created you for. And, he, and following that, I, I felt the prompting to leave everything and move out here to Utah to start a church when I said, there's no way I'll ever start a church. Don't, by the way, don't ever tell God never, or you will do it. So that's true. Um, but, but those are the big ones. But you know what happens, you guys? Is I think God is prompting all the time. I think, I think he's whispering to us all the time. And these are the ones we've all felt. The prompting to, to contact somebody. You ever felt those? You ever sit there and go, why is that person on my mind? Why is that person heavy on my heart? I tell you, it's probably because God is saying, get into that person's life. See, God does want to love everybody, but the cool way he does it is he does it through us. So he needs people who will say, listen, it's like I've used the illustration before. It's like if you have a thorn in your, in your toe, then what happens is the head, which is Christ is the head of the body, he tells the hand, problem down in toe, right? Toe goes up, your leg lifts it up, and it takes it out and it pulls it out. See, God is saying to us all the time, people want to be loved and I want to love them. So he prompts us. And he's looking for people who will say, when they get a prompting, they go, okay, God, I'm going to do it. The prompting to share Christ with somebody. Any of you ever felt those? And you sit there and you go, oh my gosh, if I tell them, they're going to, oh. And it's, but he'll move you and prompt you. And man, we need to respond to those things. To take care of people's needs. To give more. To stop doing something. How about this one? Ever been prompted to stop doing something? 
or to get out or to get something out of your life that's not good? Anybody ever prompted with that one? If you're a Christian, yes, the answer is yes. Because we all have stuff in our life. And that, you know what for me is sometimes, lots of times, it's not even the sin stuff because sin I know, right? The promptings from God come when there's stuff in my life that's not necessarily sin, but it's not the best thing. Those are the hard ones. And I tell you, to get rid of something in your life that's actually not even bad by anybody else's standards, I think God's looking for people who will say, when you tell me to, I'll do it. That was Joseph. Whatever you tell me to do, I'll do it. Now here's the deal, you guys. To do what's right and to do what God says takes a lot of faith. To do what's right, just what he says in here, you've got to believe him. You've got to trust him. I mean, to not have sex outside of marriage. I, I'm serious. If I, again, since, we, since this is part of that story, I don't know if I've ever really shared this here, but I'll never forget, man, when Susie and I got engaged, and I, I had had a sexual history, you know, uh, before I really committed my life to Christ. And then I was pure through my 20s before I met Susie. And I'll never forget <clears throat> when we got engaged. I mean, when I put that ring on her finger, I knew I was going to marry her. Right? You guys remember that? Like, dude, I'm all in. But you can't have sex. I'm like, okay, this is the stupidest thing ever. I mean, I did. I mean, I'm serious. I go, this is stupid. So one day it's right, and the next, or one day it's wrong, and the next day it's right? And I mean, I started justifying. I had all my opinions. This is just dumb. I know I tell everybody else to do this, but this is dumb. Because everything within me wanted that. Because I'm created for that. Seriously, you just, you want that. But you know what? What God is looking for is someone to say, you know what? What you need to do is come to a place where you say, are you going to believe me, Dave? This is why I've told people all the time. The one reason you don't have sex before you get married is to honor God. Period. I'm going to honor him. Because I love him more than I love myself. And, And I tell you, man, it was hard. And we struggled. But there's nothing like being able to know I did what was right. I want to encourage you, man. Fight for that one. It takes a lot of faith. You have to believe God to do what's right, and you have to believe God to do what he says. Now, let me share a few things with you about faith. First one is this. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That comes right from Hebrews. So you can go to church and you can read the Bible and you can be in a life together group and you can serve and you can do all these things. But, de- but without faith, without trusting God, it actually doesn't please him. You have to step out. You have to actually take what's called a step of faith. Now let me tell you a few other things. You guys are so, okay, this is good, okay? Check this out. Every step of faith strengthens your faith. Every step you take, every time you do what's right, it's like you, and you trust God, it's like it strengthens your faith. And then he asks you to do something, and you actually go, okay. And you trust him, and it strengthens your faith. If you've ever worked out, you know it's literally every time you go against the resistance and you lift that bar up, it strengthens your body. And every time you do it, the more times you do it, the stronger you get. I'm telling you, the more steps of faith you take will strengthen your faith. 
So right now, if you're sitting there and go, man, I just don't know if I trust him. I don't know if I believe in him. God feels so far away. I'm telling you, just buckle up. Do what's right. Trust what he has said and do it. And it will strengthen your faith. And here's why. Because the other thing is true is every step of faith engages you with God. I can't tell you more strongly how true this is. is. This is why when I really gave my life to Christ and took steps of faith and trusted him and listened to him, I began to experience God. And so then I get into ministry and I go into churches and I'm walking into churches and I'm like, oh my gosh, these people go to church every single day and every week and they don't ever experience God. And what I realized was there was a whole bunch of people who like to read the Bible and do all the things and they never would actually trust what they read. They wouldn't actually do what it said. And the Bible tells, don't just be hearers of the word, but doers. In other words, take a step of faith. And when you do, you then, and only then, do you find out that God is real. And you experience him. And that's when life happens. And every step of faith results in God giving you more. Every step of faith. Jesus said this. He goes, if you will be faithful in the small things, what did he say? I will entrust you with true riches. See, so every time you have a chance to to obey him, to do what he asks you to do, like Joseph, what God says is, I'm just guessing that Joseph had lived a life where he was listening to God and doing what he said. Because then God could say, you know what? I'm going to entrust you with much. And here's the last thing. Every step of faith results in God's purposes getting done. Every time you do. And this is what, this hit me earlier this year. The smallest act of faith unto God. You and I will have no idea the ripples that that it will have. The effect every time you and I simply do what he says or simply does what is right. God will use that act and you will never know until you get to heaven. Until we get there, we'll see how our acts of faith he actually used. But I can tell you this, God's stuff gets done. So, I just want to ask you, when we look at the life of Joseph, could you, would you be willing today to say, you know what? I'm going to do what's right. Could you and would you be willing today to say, you know what, God? I'm going to do what you say. So I'm telling you, if you will, we will see God do amazing things. And I got to share this again. I'm going to hit this again. God is not looking for great people. God is looking for faithful people. He doesn't need great people. He can use anybody who will say yes to him. Read Mary's account. When he chose Mary, she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you chose me. I'm nothing. When he chose Gideon, Gideon was like, I'm the least of of my clan, and my clan's the weakest. He goes, I'm a nobody. He goes, perfect. Moses couldn't even talk. And he's like, yeah, you're the guy I want to speak to Pharaoh. See, he he goes, I don't care. It doesn't matter. All I need you to do, all I need is a heart that will say yes to me. I don't need great people. I need faithful people. And that's good news. Because that means when you walk out of here today, 
when we worship band, in fact, why don't you guys come up? When we worship here right now, if you and your heart will say, God, I want to be a woman that says yes to you. God, I want to be a man who does what is right. What you might need to do during the worship at first is you may just need to confess to God your sin. Because if you're saying no to God, you guys, realize, you guys know that sin, right? He who knows what is right and doesn't do it, it's sin. So if God, right now, if you're involved in behavior that isn't right, and, you're, and, you're just, and you know that, you need today, as a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian today, you need to come clean and just say, you know what, God, I'm so sorry. I know your stuff isn't getting done. People are not being blessed. Your kingdom is not being built because I'm just not doing what's right. No more. No more. If you confess it to him, he says, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you and what? And cleanse you from everything that's not right. So you can walk out of here with a new strength and a new power. And for some of you, as well, God's been prompting you and he's been speaking to you, he's been leading you and you've just been too scared and today's the day where you need to say, no way, not anymore. I'm gonna, I'm, God, this scares me. Please help my unbelief, but I want to believe in you. I want to trust you. I want to be like Joseph and I want to have you do through me your plan right here, right now. I believe you're working and you've been moving in me and I'm not going to stick my feet in the ground anymore. I'm going to take a step of faith. Because you guys, if we'll do that, oh my goodness. I just, I just wonder, not only for you personally, I just wonder, what would K2 be like if all of us in this room said, you know what, I'm going to do what's right and I'm going to do what God says. God, take my life. Take it. You created it in the first place. Do with me what you want to do. This first chorus that Mike is going to sing, it says, it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. For your glory and your fame. It's not about me. It's not about me. As if you should do things my way. You alone are God, and I surrender to your ways. You alone are God, and I surrender to your ways. Lord, as we worship right now, would you help us to truly engage with you? Holy Spirit of God, move in our hearts right now and give us the grace that we need to surrender to your ways so that you can be God in our lives so that you can accomplish the work that you want to do through us. In Jesus' name.